Hi there, everybody. Welcome to another episode of the Cloud-Based Mayhem. On Monday, just three days ago, we dropped that show about COVID-19, which was a little bit dark for sure, but I think maybe the best piece of journalism we've put out. And I've heard from many of you that you really appreciated it. And uh, we're grateful that we did put it out because a lot of people are taking this seriously, but many aren't. And it was just good to get the perspective of a couple people that are really kind of on the front line. Certainly Terry, my friend who is an ER doc here in town, is on the front lines. And just an update, just since Monday, uh, if you listen to the show, uh, two of his staff are now intubated on ventilators. And neither of these people are old and neither of these people have underlying conditions. So it is quite serious. And I just want to reiterate that it's really important that we all as a community take this seriously. It's not just the potential for getting hurt and ending up in a hospital, which would be a bad thing to happen right now, but it's the potential for continuing to spread this. The only way to stop this is to social distance. And if we're taking Ubers and getting in car rides with other people, we're gonna keep spreading it. And you could literally kill somebody if you do that and that's pretty uncool i've heard a lot of people say well yeah it's only getting the older people well exactly and the older populations it's right up there at 12 14 percent if over 80 so what you're saying if you're saying that is that you don't care about old people and like my sister said that means you don't have a heart so anyway you don't need me to preach at you that's not my job that's not what i want to do I just would just requesting that y'all think about it. Kriegel's not flying and he's the best in the world. We can all get back to this thing that we love so much later. And it's also our community is going to be judged by people from around the world that see us doing what we're doing. And that's important as well. This show is the polar opposite of all of that darkness. It's uh, one of the more inspiring talks I've had with anybody. I sat down with Hans Rishmanik, my good friend and five times ex-Alps athlete and longtime columnist for Cross Country Magazine. You all know him through his meteorology column there. He's a meteorologist, meteorologist out in Davis, California. And he and his son, Martin, who's now 11, have been doing these awesome eight-day tandem Volbiv adventures in the Alps the last three years. They're planning on going back over again this June, but that's looking increasingly unlikely. But they're putting together some really great routes and spending amazing time, you know, father and son, and you're gonna dig it. They're just, they're covering ground and they're having amazing flights and they're doing it all by human power. So this is kind of filling Hansa's Red Bull X-Alps hole that he left after 2015. And they're doing it in style. They're they're moving a lot slower, of course, than what Hans is used to, and he's carrying a lot more weight than what he's used to, but very cool. And I think you're gonna enjoy it. So enjoy this talk with Hansa and his son Martin. Before you shoot your gun. Hansa and Martin, it's uh, great to connect with you. What a fantastic thing to be doing while we're trying to uh, be social distancing around the world. So it's it's fun to talk to you guys on Skype. I'd rather I'd rather do it in person, but we'll probably leave that for another time. And I'm really excited to talk about these fantastic adventures you guys have been having in the Alps. I thought uh, before we do, I'd I'd love to just hear, you know, this isn't a show obviously about COVID-19, but I'd like to just find out what your reality is like right now and and how you guys are dealing with this. And to give the listeners some perspective, it's March the the 20th and uh, yeah, that's, that's the time. That's, that's the kind of things we're dealing with. I understand California and specifically your part of the world has, has gotten pretty locked down. Um, yeah, so we have already had to cancel our Belize trip, and now we're hoping that we don't need to cancel the trip to the Alps a fourth time. Mm-hmm. And but we'll see how that's going to turn out with COVID nineteen. And Martin, are you home? Or yeah, I, I guess schools have been canceled yeah, across California, right? Okay, yeah. And uh, and so, how long have you been home? And what's it like just hanging out with the parents all day? 
Well, I just finished my first week, but I go to my grandma's house a lot. And with my classmates and my teacher, we created a Canvas link. So we're still continuing our projects and we can communicate with each other via Canvas. Very cool. Yeah, but what's Canvas? I don't know. I'm, you're talking to an old guy. I don't even know what that is. <laughs> Canvas, <laughs> it's like sort of a blog, but there are different projects and links to websites. And you can talk about which experiences you've had with those websites with your classmates or whoever's on Canvas at that time. Oh, cool. So you're still going to school. Sort of. Yeah. But I still going to have to go to school in the summer since. Oh, I see. That's, yeah. Is that how they're going to try to balance things out? Exactly. And Hansa, what are you doing right now for work? Are you able to work from home and, you know, just look at the, do you have all the kind of computing power you need to be dealing with meteorology or are you just in furlough? Uh, yeah, no, I've, um, they've, they've sent me home and I've been, um, basically teleworking. Uh, I come in occasionally into the office, uh, but you know, I'm not doing, uh, specifically forecasting. It's more air quality, uh, that I work in. Uh, so it's, uh, you know, it's, we, we manage to just work on projects at home, but yeah. Hmm. So I, that was a surprise to me, Martin, you said you guys are going back hopefully, and we'll see right, uh, in mm-hmm. June for your fourth one. I thought you, you, you've done three of these already. Yeah, so we wanted we were planning to go back for a fourth one because we on so the first year we had our destination ZLMZ to Corvara in Italy, but we didn't make it. And the next year we tried it and we got to Corvara in Italy. But so then we made a new starting point and destination. Annecy in France to where was it? Zermatt. Zermatt in Switzerland. And so we tried it once. And that was last year. Yeah, that was last year. We weren't able to get to Zermatt. So we wanted to try it again this year. Let's give, uh, that's, I I think we got to first rewind a little bit and tell everybody what you guys are doing. What, what is, what are these missions and how do, how does it work? So it's a father son sky camp where the first day we start up at a launch somewhere high, and then we cannot use any buses, public transport, any motorized vehicles to get ourselves anywhere until our finish which we usually have a time limit of eight days. And we have a start point and a destination, and we need to get there with only hiking and flying on a tandem paraglider. Wow. And so how much are you carrying versus your workhorse dad? Uh, he's carrying the paraglider, the tent, the uh, basically everything except for me, and I'm carrying the food. Oh, the food's and quite that. a bit. And your clothes now. Yeah, and my clothes. And are you? Are, and so you're allowed? Are you eating cafes? Are you guys top landing and having an espresso in the Dolomites? Or where, oh, you haven't been in the Dolomites, I guess. But in, are you? Are you? You're allowed. You're you're going through restaurants on the way. Or are you carrying your food as well? Um, we do carry food, but if we end up in the valley or somewhere where there is a cafe, yeah, we do stop for a raspberry tart or something. And we also have been to the Dolomites. Corvara, our first destination, is in Italy, which, so that's the Dolomites. Yeah. You're cool. So eight days sky camping with your dad on a tandem rig. Tell me a little bit more about your gear. What what are you guys carrying? Are you carrying stoves and fuel? And, you know, how, how heavy is everything? No, we have one titanium bowl, and I think we have one titanium spork, and that's about it. Yeah, we don't have fuel. We decide we go dry food, nuts, fire. Mm. Yeah, sometimes we'll make a little fire, but uh, it's the idea is we just got beef jerky, nuts, um, some uh, dried fruit, some wild blueberries. Are you collecting quite a bit of food? Depends on the year. Um, if, if it's in, 
in August uh, on the second trip, we we found a lot of berries. Uh, this uh, last one, which was in June, was a little early, so we didn't yeah. have too many. But this one in June, we had a lot of. We stayed at two cabins. Both of them gave us food, <laughs> which was fun. And this one place, they were celebrating something. And the flying conditions weren't good, so we sort of hung out. And there was this really good meat and good food last year. Yeah. They made a pit in the uh, uh, like in the ground and used some uh, dried uh, old old vines from an old vineyard and made the coals with that. And basically, there was I think a pork loin that they roasted underground it was really nice it was after that was after five days of eating dried uh, just <laughs> dry food so <laughs> it was, it was, it was hopefully a, a beer as well yeah uh, that sounds great well, what's been the biggest kind of uh crux or is it is it weather because i mean in the alps you've got the water right you've got you got plenty of food um what, what's been kind of the hardest thing martin about doing these that would be between two either weather or the first year, the Skullcross Bones Trail, as we named it, <laughs> which is a trail, which actually isn't a trail. It was a nice trail on the map, it said. But then when we got there, it was a little bit of an animal trail. And other than that, it was mostly bushwhacking <laughs> <laughs> and through slippery water, waterfall grounds. Yeah, so I'm not sure what's worse, either having to deal with the weather or that. Oh, so you're you're hiking, you're covering ground on foot too. You're not just flying, top landing, waiting for the next flyable day. No, we're kind of uh, we're basically doing it at X Alps without the you know the intense fervor of having to move all the time. But uh, yeah, there's times we you know end end up in the bottom of the valley, so then we got to you know get to the next launch, and so we're just if it's you know unless it's ridiculously rainy, we're we're trying to keep moving uh, yeah. towards our destination, uh, sort yeah. of exalt light style. Right, right. And and how how heavy is your kit, Hans, on your side of things? It starts out pretty darn heavy. I'd say it starts out close to 30 kilos when we start because it's Oof. got, it's a regular weight tandem. Um, I've got my uh, Nervos Bivouac harness, which I used in the 07 XL, same one as Nate Scales used. Um, and that one's got a lot of room under the seat, which is good uh, for stuff. It's, it's maybe 1.3 kilos. We just use a, um, a lightweight one person uh, reserve because uh, we're still pretty light. We might have to upgrade as Martin gets older. Uh, Martin's in a thin red line, which is just a 300 yeah. gram harness from the from the 90s. Uh, but uh, it's still. Then we've got a we've got a tent that's about a two kilo tent. We don't bring sleeping bags. We use the tandem as a massive blanket up over ourselves. And maybe Martin, you can tell what how we how we kind of how we settled on sleeping pads yeah so the first year we thought about bringing sleeping pads but just before we left we were like no we're not gonna need these but then we had not as much of the wing to put on us because we put most of it underneath so yeah, sure. sort of as a sleeping pad but then the next year we're like okay we let's get some sleeping pads we need to bring sleeping pads and so we brought them, and now what we do is we sleep in sort of the middle of the wing, and that's underneath us. And then we each of us has our own sector of the wing, which you can put over us in any way we want. And that is what we have done for this year and last year. And yes. so the the theory there is you're you've got quite a bit of clothes for flying, and you can just are you just sleeping in your clothes with the wing? Yes, yes, yes fully dressed. This is always something that sounds kind of romantic, but every time I've tried it, I can't sleep because the noise, you guys both just don't move. No, we, we move. And if uh, hopefully we're tired enough uh, to where we just get worn out. Yeah. Martin, Martin sleeps through it uh, very well. Sometimes we arrive jet lagged. So I'm, I'm bringing some Benadryl and some melatonin and kind of popping both to, to get myself, straightened out with my sleep cycle as quick as possible or if i'm just laying there awake and i know i need to get some rest and you're 
your route, um, are you adjusting that, you know, kind of literally as you're on the plane going over or is this something you guys, okay, we're going to do this this year, regardless of the weather, you, you start and push through it or do you adapt on the fly? We, um, so we have our starting point and our destination. And once we get to the spot, we, if we have service, we check the weather and we're like, okay, would it be better to go this valley, that valley, where should we go? Mm. So we adapt mostly on the, not on the flight, but like when we're laying in the tent or after we've settled in for the night. And I see what you're asking, Gavin. I I think on the, you know, especially for the first one, I wasn't totally fixed on starting at ZLMZ. It was kind of, uh, you know, we were we were in Prague and trying to decide, you know, where made most sense uh, given the weather. Um, and then the next time around, we, you know, we decided to try for the same goal. We've kind of, uh, Martin, you want to tell a rule about? Yeah. How we so went? we adapted a rule. So we set a point. We try it once. If it doesn't work, we try it the second time. And if that doesn't work, then we try it the third time. And if that still doesn't work, then we go to a new destination and starting point. So we have three tries to get it. And if we don't, then we switch. Or if we do, then we automatically switch. And is that switch getting on a train and going to a new new zone? Well, it's kind of year by year. So the idea is... um, you know, it was like, for example, we didn't uh, we didn't make it all the way to um, uh, Zermatt or to the Matterhorn. So our plan, uh, which is up in the air, literally <laughs> for with the, uh, the COVID-19, but uh, is to try again, uh, you know, Annecy to Zermatt again. And uh, by the by, our personal rules, even if we don't make it this year, we would get one more year. So it's kind of three tries and then. We we change the starting point and then destination. It's yeah. either we make it, uh, and if if we give it three tries and we don't make it, it's we're not flying very well, or we're, we're it was too hard, and we, then then we can change it after three three attempts. So Martin, by my math, your first one was when you were eight. Is that right? Yes. And yes. how did you, how did you guys decide to do this? What were, were you, cause I know, you know, you used to ride on your dad's back at the start of the X Alps and stuff. So I know you've been, you know, intimately familiar with his flying and, you know, his exploits. And I know you guys have been doing stuff in Chile for every year for years, but was this, you know, was this just, Oh, let's go do this. Or was this something you guys kind of trained for at home? Like you took some little flights, kind of figured it out. Well, uh, the, we only had a one day, uh, maybe a two and a half hour uh, cross country here locally. Uh, and that was the longest uh, flight Martin had had with me. And the whole idea almost got sabotaged because I, I started talking about this idea, you know, when Martin was seven, just turning eight. And then I made the big mistake of showing him the 2009 X Alps video. <laughs> Hey, one, with your face <laughs> and stuff yeah yeah one day when he was you know <laughs> home from school and i was watching him because he was sick i decided to show him the 2009 x ops video he's all dude dad we're not doing that <laughs> that's way too crazy <laughs> so I had, to, I had to really like explain to him it's going to be a lot mellower we'll get to do fun stuff along the way and we do fun stuff what are some of the yeah. fun activities my, my... um well we do a lot of whittling on the way mm. um and we also do a lot of berry picking, which is fun. Yeah. And uh, afterwards, what I really like is I get to make movies from it with the pictures. Oh, so I cool. make like music videos with the pictures, sort of. Oh, fun. And, and what's, the, what's, the, what's the most memorable point? of these Martin for you and then for you dad too. Um, the mem- the most memorable point I'd say is finally having some time with my dad because since my brother was born, it was mostly dad and brother or ju- or me, my dad and my brother. Mm. And uh, yeah, so I've never gotten to have from that moment some time with my dad. So I feel like we get along really well there. Mm-hmm. 
and it's so much fun. God, bet. And how about for you, Hansa? What's what's the kind of most memorable mo- moment of these three and hopefully four adventures? Uh, I mean, it's, I, th- I think in some ways it was our second, uh, no, our fourth day on the second trip was uh, we uh, we we had a five hour flight and it was basically it was like textbook. Uh, it was zero wind up to about three thousand eight hundred meters. And every every spine was working just like it should. We'd just to kind of back up. We had started with LMZ, had a, a decent day that first day, and then we had two days of just hiking through the rain. So after two days of hiking in the rain, we woke up to a beautiful morning, got ourselves to a great launch, and five hours, about fifty k as the crow flies, even though it was much a little more of an arc, and uh, made it into the Dolomites, and uh, we even. That night, we reached our destination. We reached our destination. We had to hike the 10K into Corvara. And so we had, what was it, eight days for that trip? I think we had seven days for that one. And we on day four, we reached our goal, which, yeah. was, which wow. was really cool. So then we got to spend three days just flying around in the Dolomites. And even on the last day, out to uh, Trechime, which was a, a turn point in the 2011 X-Alps. Mm-hmm. And we got to within maybe 5K of it. We like from the north, we came into the Dolomites and then backed out. Uh, because of overcast. Yeah, it was getting overcast and just had to just. Uh, and yeah. on the second one, we landed in the exact same spot that we did on the first one to end it off in Talau, a city right near Lienz, same field. Yes. The first the first one was mostly walking. The first, the first uh, trip was. You know, a few walking and sled rides. Walking and sled rides until the last day where we had a three-hour <laughs> oh, flight, and we covered more more we covered more distance in three hours of flying on our on our final day of our very first uh, trip than we did, you know, the um, uh, during the five days uh, walking or so. And um, so the the second trip was the most successful as far as flying goes. I think we had eighteen hours of airtime. Like I said, we made our goal uh, on day four, and then we had three days to just explore, fly to the Marmolada. Uh, it was just, it was just, you know, topland up high, and uh, but it also was exciting. You want to tell them about the 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 one on the this where we got close to the trees on the on the landing in that tight field. Yeah, so we were flying around, and we needed to top land, and so we were coming in. And since it was looking good, my dad decided to do one last circle around just so we could lose some height. But then when we were coming in, our toes were almost touching the trees. And I was like, Dad, what are you doing? <laughs> about all I know about flying, we shouldn't have done that last circle. Yeah. <laughs> and You're not supposed to hit the trees. <laughs> yeah. So we almost touched the trees, but we made it into the field. A lightweight loaded on a tandem with trimmers out into headwind, it's it, it's easy to forget how bad your glide ratio can be. Right. You know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. She could be in a three to one. So it wasn't even a full circle. It was just an S-turn. But enough of that S-turn was enough to like, just as I finished it and yeah. checked the glide again, I was like, oh, that Uh-oh. gut feeling like that we might not be clearing this. And it was literally like a little V in the trees that we were, that we were getting through. But um, And it was near a cabin and there were people in that cabin. And... Then they were like outside and stuff, and they were like, "Did you guys touch the trees? We thought you almost did." <laughs> yeah, they probably gave yeah. you some delicious salami and cheese, and no, uh, just bananas. Oh well, but those were really, really good. Yeah, yeah. bananas were great because we we hadn't had any fruit, right? And, uh, yeah, I mean, I felt that that was the one I felt. Man, I was like, I'd never, I've you know, twenty five years of flying, never, never landed in a tree, and for a second, I thought we'd be putting it down in a, in a treetop with my son and I would have felt just really silly waiting for some rescue if we weren't able to self-rescue it just would have felt really silly it would have been to interesting that, to hear what they said too like wait you're doing what what are you doing you know <laughs> that's pretty extreme even for the French even though you weren't in France but yeah that's yeah. um it, do you get any of that do you get any kind of pushback are there any but are, are there any people that are just like what are you guys doing no, so far it's been very supportive. We did get a, a rescue called on us uh, 
but the that first was year. on the first year. Yeah, it was the second day of our first. Uh, you know, it was these little sled rides. It was one across. You know, Zelamzi. We flew westward for a little bit, and then south across the main valley. And Exalp style just decided to put it down in some. You know, a p- place where they're very short trees, where you know they use patches where. Well, they, we needed to. Well, we needed to because we didn't want to land in the valley. It was kind of right. Exalp style. Let's let's land three hundred meters up the hillside. Yeah. In a little spot. Save yourself some work. Exactly. Well, somebody down in the valley saw this paraglider just fly straight into the <laughs> into the hill. And we saw later, yeah, it looked like just straight into the hill. It wasn't small plush, it was a hill. So we'd already set up tent and we were basically, Martin was already asleep. And then this crew of five people, uh, the search and rescue, come up to, to, to the rescue us. And we just had to explain to them we're doing a father-son ex-alps and uh, we're yeah. fine. Then they had to wake me up. Yeah, that's like, that's, he, was, he was okay. And yeah, and then they were on their way. Uh, and then the day after that was also interesting. Uh, uh, we were uh, we were up on a, a launch and it just kept raining and raining. And uh, we sometimes just hide under the tarp. Uh, just to, you know, we had a tarp that we could deploy very quickly over us, if, even if, if there was no trees, so that we could kind of sh- shelter in yeah. place. And uh, so then we decided, okay, we're not going to stay up here. We're going to fly down to the valley. And uh, we landed and a ranger. Anyone want to tell about the ranger? Yeah. So the ranger came. It was raining when we landed and in very scrubby English. So we didn't understand him very much. He started speaking to us about scaling the deer. And we explained to him, (laughs) we showed him on a map, we are not in the park yet. We're in legal flying zone. And he said, like, the deer will jump off the cliffs and suicide themselves because of a large bird and stuff like so. What? Wow. Yeah, he was very he was very upset. He was saying the deer could jump and hurt themselves because you landed here. But, um, yeah, in the end, once we kind of in, were able to explain what we were doing, he, he let us – basically stay and he, he, he calmed down but it was it was it was kind of one day after another so the, it wasn't necessarily people uh you know being upset with the idea of what we were doing but uh just little events like that happened yeah. that, that was especially on that first uh on that first uh, adventure martin when you when you fly with your dad especially on these like long flights five hour flight stuff do you get any, any air sickness no Nothing. That's I feel really lucky because I do not get car sick, seasick, air sick, all that's those great. Stomach sicks. <laughs> yeah. Are you flying yet? You're on your own. Or are you? I mean, are you? I know you're kiting and that kind of thing, but are you taking little flights with you on your own yet? No. So I have. A, yeah. But he steers. Oh. Yeah, I steer. Okay. I let him thermal for a while. Like if I'm taking pictures, and especially if if you know we're not in close proximity to cliff or anything just i don't like him taking pictures (laughs) (laughs) he's really good at it though i've seen him doing really hairy conditions um how do you guys approach uh you know do you kind of have like a tap out you know uh do you do you guys have kind of a like a what's the word i'm looking for rules of just like hey dad i'm scared i don't like this you know or it just just hansi do you just make all the calls uh, or is it kind of a team effort I would say it's a team effort. Um, you know, sometimes there was there was one on that last one of um, the second year where we're kind of flying into the Dolomites, and I kept doing these sort of hopper flights, uh, top landing, and Martin just like made the call. He's like, "This is the last top landing you get, Dad. Like, <laughs> let's just it's the last day. You know, the, the, just 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 deal with it. If we're sinking out, we got to sink out. Like, don't don't try to salvage this one for all it's worth." <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> and uh, another time Martin made a – well, he was giving me advice I should have listened. Do uh, you want to it tell the story? This was when we were trying yeah, to get into so, Chamonix. Yes, yeah, so we were trying to get into Chamonix. This was from so – so you were flying from Annecy? Yeah, this was Annecy. We had – the first day wasn't much. We got over uh, over the yeah. back yeah. – yeah, this is the third trip. So we got oh, we got over the back of the tournette and just a little past it. And okay. Then, so down so in like Clouza or whatever that is down there. Yeah, not even not even to La, La Clouza. Yeah, okay. we just basically almost like over the back of the turnet and the first kind of hill towards the Arby's that forms beyond okay. that. Okay, that was day one. Second day hiking most of the day to get onto the Arby's, uh, and it was overcast in the morning. And then we had a really nice blast down the Arby's, 
and just across the the main valley um and a, a top landing and it was starting to overdevelop big over mont blanc uh, so we had to we, you know we had a very short one hour flight and then the third day so we're now we're uh, not too far out of chamonix and finally gets good around two in the afternoon and and i decided to kind of cut a diagonal and martin uh, go ahead well so i was like why don't you follow the ridge like why are you cutting the diagonal across the valley what could follow the ridge and go along the ridge which what i've been flying with you i've learned that if you're along a hillside the vaults are better there so i sink out in the valley and make the huge crossing which is a risk when you can just dolphin fly along the yeah, Martin. Yeah. That sounds Mountains. smart. <laughs> yeah. yeah, and we sunk out in the three p.m. Nice cumies, and we sunk out right in Chamonix Valley. And uh, so that was, yeah. That I should have listened to to Martin. Yeah, he's, he's got some good hiked advice. Up a thousand meters. Yeah, we had to hike up a thousand over a thousand meters right out of the Chamonix Valley, but uh, but and we still got to fly a little bit, but then that got us stuck on a glacier. Well, on a snow, on a on, yeah, on a snowfield, yeah. Ooh, yeah. Just, just well, not stuck, not stuck per se, but uh, stuck as far as uh, you know. If, didn't make sense to hike further at that point. It was kind of uh, the weather was uh, was 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 pretty bad the next morning, and it was it was hard to launch because it was kind of always crossing slightly cross and down, or or at slight moments still. But uh, yeah, made you know it made it made it tough to to get off the next day. Yeah, so we were there till about what was it eleven? No, I think it was later. I think it was maybe maybe two in the afternoon when we. Oh well, we about got two. Yes, we got airborne, and then we we made it to the back. Called the Blem, Balm, called the Balm. Yeah. Bomb. yeah. Bomb. So we got almost to call the Balm. It was getting pretty windy, so we decided not, you know, and. We thought we either got to get a really tall thermal to go over or let's land before the coal where it compresses and landed on a nice snow field and then hiked to the coal. Which one was the flight where you, you almost got us stuck in the power lines? Not the power lines. The, the, cable, the, yeah, oh, the cable. oh, that was the day before. Well, you, you saw the, 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 the cables to Ogi de Midi. Yeah, and ah. you were seeing some cables way far off at the distance. You were saying, they're still far away. And I'm like, no, they're pretty close in front of us and we'll see yeah that's, that's why having a fresh pair of eyes uh, a young pair of eyes <laughs> yeah <laughs> oh man there's so many cables in the alps it's I've, I've had several flights where it's just like whoa i didn't see that <laughs> yeah <laughs> wow but it was just beautiful flying over the glaciers you know next to mont blanc i mean that was just oh so you were you were the time of year where you could still be on the north side Sorry, yeah, south side. It yeah, June. June. Yeah, so okay. it allowed us to fly. Yeah, the the, the the north facing the south side of the valley, which was really cool uh, to get to fly there. And uh, yeah, but called once the next day after that, when we did get to call the bomb, there was a pilot, a paraglider pilot, who bought the refuge right at the summit, and he was remodeling it. And when we told him what we were doing, he said, "Well, you guys can just crash out here. You don't have to set up your tent. It's raining, so yeah. so come on in." Oh, nice. So that was really nice. We stopped there. We had spaghetti and apple pie or crumble. Yeah. That was – and then the next day, yeah. So then after that, early in the morning, like around Super early six, before sunrise. Yeah, like 5.45, 6. We had this half an hour, this really long half hour sled ride about – what was it, 1,400 Probably even more than that. I think 1,800, 1,900 foot, uh, no, meters of descent because we started at 2,300 meters and flew down in past past Martigny, just, uh, yeah, a little bit past Martigny uh, we yeah. landed before we got to the sea on airspace. Mm. So if you, I mean, this is kind of, but for a lot of listeners, this won't make a ton of sense because unless they know that area, but because we do so well. And Martin, you've obviously got mm -hmm. awesome geographical knowledge of the Alps now. But if you guys try to do this again from Annecy to the Matterhorn, would you take the Verbier Valley instead of the Sion Valley? Avoid all that muck in the Rhone? Let's see now. So I'm, I'm trying to remember the, the, the Verbier Valley would be 
once you got south. past Martinique, we'd go to the south. Yeah, so you wouldn't go to Martinique. You would just from Balm, uh, Col de Balm. I mean, if you could get up there, you would lob over the back and keep Martinique off to your left, you know, off to your north. And, uh, and you know, if you don't make Verbier, there's a couple, you know, you would fly up the, what is that, the St. Bernard, up towards the St. Bernard Pass, the one into Italy. But you'd fly... I'm only thinking that because then you're avoiding the rowdiness of the Rhone and the valley winds and all that stuff. And you're avoiding the sea on airspace. Um, and you're kind of staying high. Uh, and then, so you, and then if you made it in a verbier, then from there, it, you just fly out, you, 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 you get up, there's a bunch of launches that are all gorgeous in verbier. Um, and then from there, it's a 50 K flight to Zermatt and you just fly, you kind of backdoor it. You go, you, you, if you get one climb out of Verbier, you can start punching along those kind of north south ridges that lead down to the Rhone, you know. So you, you just kind of keep popping along those, but you stay south of the Sion airspace all the way into Zermatt, if that makes sense. Yeah, I've thought that I've, I've definitely looking at it even last year, looking at how, uh, especially in June, the way the sun goes, you, it seems like some of those, even though they're North, you know, my, my original thought, Gavin was, okay, we'll, we'll fly the South faces, like all the, the, the whole Rhone Valley. We'll just do all the, it will be the North of it and fly all the South faces. Mm-hmm, but mm-hmm. I was realizing it, you know, it's pretty, it's pretty far North up there in those long days of summer, actually the sun is setting in the Northwest. So in the late afternoon, some of your North, uh, North facing or Northwest facing, uh, slopes are getting much better sun. So I think, I think you're right about that. I think, a little bit of a change of route there, uh, and and just to stay out of the main Sion Valley might be uh, might be the way to go. Well, I think you're just you're subjecting yourself to much nicer ground work by foot too. If you, I, I, there was one time I flew into Geneva, at, you know, I came in on like the nine thirty flight, whatever it is, and I took the train up to Verbier. I fell asleep on the train, so it went to Sion. I didn't get off, and I go back on it, going the other way, go back. So I was kind of late, and I got to Verbier. I don't know, at noon, um, and took the gondola up. To, you take the gondola to this launch called Runet, uh, and it's a kind of an afternoon launch, you know, so it starts working at you know, 12, 12.30 kind of thing. And, uh, you know, dialed up there and was in Zermatt in no time. I actually flew to Fiche that day, but it was, you know, for you guys, I think it'd be a pretty easy connection because uh, it's just 50K. You know, from there, you really got it. You're pretty close. You just need one decent day. And if you've got a little bit of west wind, which you usually do, it, it uh, if, you, if you got the base, you know, then you can just, you can kind of stay high and you're still flying down the Rhone, but you're on the south side of it and deep. Yeah. Yeah, I think uh, I, I think you're right. I think we're gonna have to uh, switch it up a little bit. And once again, it all depends on sure. uh, on conditions. But it was it was cool. We uh, um, I don't think it was you, but some Exalp pilot uh, on the 2019. It was actually happening during the 2019 Exalp. So by the time it was our last day of this last, we flew with I forgot his name, but the French guy. Oh, uh, was it? Yeah. yeah, he was a. We flew with the French guy. Was yes, he one of the ones way out front, Maxime, uh, or Gaspard, or? Um, I'd say it was the, yeah, Maxine or the second French guy, one of those two. Oh, maybe Benoit. Yeah. It was that super super stable day. It was yep. like it was uh, it was super stable, and a few days after that, it got really good where everybody had landed you know, on we, top. We, we Mont had to Blanc finish by then, but when the top top landings on Mont Blanc yeah. happened, like. So, so we, we finished just a day or two before that, uh, we had to get out of there, uh, for schedule wise, but it would, gosh, that, that would be amazing to, to have a day where, you know, we had that kind of, oh uh, yeah, that'd be, oh, that was, yeah, that was pretty amazing. I was not happy to be on the ground when that was going on. It was so stable and so hot. Uh, yeah. but it, Hansa, has this helped fill the, the hole that must live in your heart of not doing the X Alps or is, is, you know, is this kind of like, uh, something you could really look forward to and fills that gap? Oh yeah. This is now, you know, now that I'm not doing the X Alps, this, this is the one thing I look forward to most in the year. Uh, cause it's, 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 it's on that kind of same, 
it's still got the same thing where we, we, we make this time to do it and we go do it no matter what. It's not like a normal paragliding comp where tasks get canceled. I got really, I got kind of over that uh, after I think I, my last comp, normal comp was the 2008 U.S. Nationals and they just canceled one task after another, after another. And uh, I just, to go somewhere, uh, you know, spend a lot of money and just be told you can't fly. I'd much rather, you know, have a hike and fly adventure mm. where you make it happen no matter what. And to get to do that with my son and to, to share it with him is just, uh, you know, right now I think it's the coolest thing that, that I can be doing. And Martin, how do you, do you look forward to it kind of in the same way? Yes, I really like it. And I feel like it adds that gap of time with dad. Yeah. You know? That's so special to be. I mean, that's that's a really intimate time. You guys are flying together, which is intense and fun and, you know, exploratory and ascetic. And then you're getting to camp together and figure it all out. You're getting to navigate together and eat together. And oh, it's fantastic. Yeah, there was, um, after that super long sled ride, uh, what did we find uh, when we got just landed just past Martini before we started hiking? Up oh, again. yeah, we found, what was it, cherries. Cherries right? and apricots. Yeah, cherries oh. and apricots. Yeah, oh, <laughs> man. grabbed on those. It was so nice after yeah. being up in the tall mountains for a while. Yeah. <laughs> I had a particularly rough training day. I can't remember which one I was training. Maybe it was the 2017 one. And I uh, did this monster hike, couldn't fly. I walked back down and I, and I just happened to cross this like huge strawberry plantation farm. And I just thought, Oh, I, I have to steal a few. I hope that's okay. <laughs> just, you know, I was kind of dehydrated and bonking and, Oh, they were the most delicious thing I've ever put in my mouth. I think for ex-Alps pilot, that's allowed. That's, yeah. that's been my ex-Alps ex rules of hiking through the apple orchards of Italy. Oh, it's just <laughs> such a treasure. It's just like coming across a field of ice cream. You're just like, oh, yeah. thank yeah. you so much. Huh. Any yeah. uh, any intense moments uh, in these three that you've done? Um, skull Crossbones Trail. That sounded like hell. <laughs> it was... You know, you know the outdoor active app, right? Do you yeah. use that one? But, yeah, not so, anymore so, because it, it kept screwing us. I, I was going to say, I bet you were using that app. It's just not, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, it looked like a great trail. So I was like, uh, Martin, look, we'll, we'll go up 200 meters you know, in elevation and get onto this nice trail and it'll let us traverse. Well, we get to this trail and it's like barely noticeable, if at all, kind of in and out of being a trail at all. And then it just got onto, it's in forest, so you don't know how steep, the terrain is coming up, but it got into these really partially cliffy areas. And we had, it was, you know, it was, it was very, it got kind of sketchy and just uncomfortable in some parts. Uh, and it was wet and slippery. It was wet. Yeah. Wet and slippery. So and we had to, really, yeah. So we just, it was, it was one of those trails that you're like, wow, that <laughs> that's definitely not a trail. Like we would, if we could leave feedback, I would put a lot of skull and crossbones or you'd send somebody that you you don't like on that trail. <laughs> Gosh, you know, but buddy, I think that's actually maybe my fault. I think I put you onto that app before the 2015 race. I was like, you got to check this out. But what we learned in that race and the reason we stopped using it is that it's, um, it's open source. So anybody using it, if they go hike something like that and they've got their record on, it becomes a, it becomes a trail in the app uh -oh. itself. And so, uh, yeah, we've, we've switched to, I would highly recommend a little plug here, but uh, I would highly recommend using Gaia. Uh, Gaia their, okay. their trails are fantastic. If it's a trail, it's a trail. If it's on there, it works and they've got awesome, you know, you can put in where you are and then where you want to go and it'll map you the most, the, the accurate, most accurate way you can download everything in advance. Um, yeah, it's, it's really terrific. And that, yeah, with that outdoor active, there were many times where I was just, it was a goose chase. Yeah. Well, I'm glad to hear that. We're not the only ones. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's pretty funny. Any other things like that, that, uh, I don't know, have been, you know, learning points. What, what are some of the things you've changed along the way? Well, we, uh, the, the mattresses. So we did start bringing the super lightweight, just three quarter length thermarest, um, you know, the ones that are just air, uh, but uh, they have that little mylar layer in there. Uh, uh, the, mm -hmm. the, so those thermorests, we do, we do do mattresses now. Um, let's see, gear wise, this time we brought 
uh, ice axe and crampons, but I think we might not do that. I don't think it's, it was necessary and it just added a lot. I'd more. say, yeah, definitely not the ice axe. Yeah. Yeah, and I don't the think they've had a... That's like, no. And they haven't had a real big snow year. I mean, last year when you guys were there, we had that monster snow year, but this year is, I think it's more normal so far. Yeah. So I think we're to minimize on gear. Eventually, you know, looking to the future, I'd love to get a lightweight tandem. That would be, uh, uh, that would lighten things up. And then Martin's getting bigger and stronger. So, uh, you know, we'll probably be sharing the load a little, a little more each year. Yeah, I, I've been having uh, these little adventures on a single surface wing. I, I've never flown it cross country or anything, but it, that, they make those in tandems now. Is that a possibility, or is that those just don't, they don't work for cross country? I, I don't. I mean, I've, uh, I've heard these stories of people flying like hundred k on them, and I just when I fly mine, I can't imagine doing that. But I could, I could, I could see in the right conditions, it could fly hundred k. But then if you get into a windy situation where you're like trying to push against wind, I can see the glide ratio being really like, you know, it could, I don't you think could you really have one in those. Yeah, yeah. I don't, yeah, you know, like, I don't know. I mean, mine has a speed bar on it, but it's kind of, I think it's kind of pathetic when there's any wind. Yeah. I think it's better to lose weight in other things. Just, just lighten your gear. Uh, just try to really evaluate what you need. Like we've been bringing a folding saw, but I'm just thinking of more of a saw blade that's wrapped up in something, you know, to keep it from cutting things up and just making, making a handle if we really need the, the saw mm. or little, little things like that. Just trying to always evaluate. Um, we weigh our food, which we usually try to like not have more than five kilos. We're trying to fit as many calories into five kilos of food. So, you know, looking at ideally more fat content in the food to try to be self-reliant for about six days is the idea that food wise. And so tell me about your food. You mentioned nuts. Are you, are you trying by calories and fat? You're probably trying to go, you know, cheese, nuts. What, what are you putting in your food kit? Yeah, we, we bring cheese, salami, uh, what else? Nuts, um, some dried berries, but not too much of that. What was it we had? Oh, bacon bits. Bacon bits, yeah. yeah. Bacon, like bacon. a whole bag of bacon bits at Costco. Uh, <laughs> they have Costco in Europe? <laughs> you can never have enough of those. Like Those are always out at the end of the trip. Yeah, yeah. We look at what's at the end of the trip and what, what didn't, like if there is anything that didn't get eaten by chance, we know we need less. Yeah, you don't need to bring that. that. And if it's eaten on the second day, we need more of that. Yep. Okay, so Martin, after six days of eating cheese and salami and nuts, uh, what are you dying to have? When you guys get back into you know quote unquote civilization, what do you? What's the first thing you go for? I'm not sure. Well, what did we do the first two times? I think remember when we when we oh, took yeah. the train to Lands from Tel Then we had ice cream. Ice cream, Ooh, yeah, nice. And some yeah. Wiener Schnitzel. Yeah. And see, yeah. yeah, I know we had a, um, well, was, No, the first time we had a kebab. Yeah, oh. yeah, like a hero. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, and Martin, has there been any times in these three trips you've done with, with dad that have, uh, have you been scared at any point? Um, I, well, there's always, but that freaks me out a little bit always, like when we're about to launch. Okay. Like right when we're starting to run, like, but that I've talked to my grandma and she also has that same feeling, like right when you're about to do it, there's that like little feeling of, but what if? Yeah. And also just to say in a quick summary, I'd say that the first year was like going into it and seeing if this is going to even work. And then the second year was really enjoyable enjoyable in terms of flying and where we're gonna get and then the third year was also really really enjoyable in terms of the people because we stayed in two cabins on the way we had some good food there and we for the first time actually stopped by a cafe on that time to have pie or yeah yeah, each one has uh, a kind of a different flavor, different feel to it. I mean, you know, it's just like each X Alps has kind of its own. Sure, it's kind of own uh, particular. Yeah, they all belong in their own or, category. Or for sure. Yeah, wow, cool. The one time I remember Martin on the very first trip, 
being a little scared. There was, this was uh, my fault. Was uh, I said, just wait here. I'm going to go look if this if there's a launchable oh, yeah. spot, and just just wait here. So I left my backpack there, you know, with all the gear, and kind of ran around the corner and I looked a little better around another corner. And, you know, I, was, I said, I'd be gone for five minutes. It was probably closer to 15 by the time it was done. And he, could, he was visibly upset that I'd been gone that long, <laughs> but that was just before we flew across the Valley. That was, that was that day. We just, just that evening before we flew across the Valley where the search and rescue got called on us later that, yeah. <laughs> that night. <laughs> Uh, you guys have really inspired me. I mean, my, my little one's only two and a half, so it'll be a while. But I, I did uh, – we were up in uh, Lake Wallawa when she was 13 months old. I was doing some acro training there over the water, and I, I put her her and mom on a tandem with Todd. And uh, and he did helis with them all the way down to the water. So she <laughs> – I don't think she actually knew what was going on, but I was flying right next to him, and I took all the video and sent it to grandma, and grandma was not impressed. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, it's it's a little tricky. I mean, some some people would, you know, so, so, so you definitely so some people frown upon it. I've, I haven't really run across that too much, but uh, uh, you know, my wife sometimes reminds me that some people might frown upon sure upon this activity. It's uh, it's understandable. Yeah, uh, I can see where they're coming from. Yeah, sure. H- how is the flying for you differently doing this? Is it is it more tense? Is it more? Is there anything that is is much different than, you know, solo flying or flying how you normally do? I think, um, it actually, in some ways being just on a, uh, on a, on a big tandem, it's, it feels, it feels way more secure, uh, the tandem. I mean, it's just, it's, uh, you know, it's like tandems are usually like a big, uh, B glider or at, at you yeah. know, it's, it's, so it's, it's a, it feels very safe. I have to respect, especially in the in early years when Martin was lighter, uh, that we are lightly loaded. Uh, so I have to kind of keep that in mind, uh, uh, as you know, I have to be very like cognizant, more cognizant. I think that I would be on a normal, uh, on a solo wing of, um, of Valley winds mm. and, uh, wind in general. Mm. Uh, but, uh, the flying, you know, it's a, it's a UP K two, three, and it's, uh, it's, it, it's just a, it's been a great wing, uh, for this adventure. It's, it, it launches great and it's been able, you know, uh, can land it a lot of side hill landing, uh, on it. And, uh, it's, I've been just super happy with the wing. So, you know, it's sometimes easy. Sometimes you kind of forget what you're doing that you're just with, you know, with your eight or nine or 10 year old kid, you know, surfing up next to a cliff face in the Dolomites. And <laughs> <but> <laughs> Son, don't take a picture of this. Don't send it to mom. <laughs> yeah. but, it, but, it, but, you know, but it, it feels very, very natural. I mean, I've been doing this, like I said, almost 20, over 25 years. So it's just, it's just a natural extension of what, it's like we should be doing. You know, the other thing I should ask is, what about mom? How does she feel about you guys doing this? Good yeah. time with dad. Yeah, she's actually, you know, just. Uh, uh, does she give you any? Uh, what does no. she say? No. Well, ha- what they do is, since they are here, it's summer, it's hot. They go to the library. And then when that closes at five o'clock, they go to Ikea. <laughs> and then when that closes at nine o'clock, they go home and then they go to bed. Yeah. Because our air conditioning is broken and it's hot here. <laughs> and so Hans, I get that Ikea is live and we have air conditioning. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah, so no, she's just, uh, yeah, she's, she's been very supportive. She actually used to uh, fly, um, when we, when we met each other and stuff, she'd actually, she actually tried paragliding with, with did the math and it was when she was 14. So she was younger. It was earlier in time than when I first tried it. Like I think I tried it in 92. I think she tried in 91 or something. And uh, so she, she, she understands uh, flying. She's got probably a hundred hours and maybe some 30, 30 mile cross countries uh, back in the day. So she's, uh, she gets it. She, she gets it. Yeah. Yeah. And then, uh, yeah, she's, 
luckily, uh, you know, trusts in my abilities and I try to respect that. I, I try to, you know, th- it, like any flying, you're always, always evaluating the conditions. Uh, and, and especially in the Dolomites, it, it, it does get tricky because sometimes it'll, you know, the clouds look pretty ripe, but it's not necessarily, you know, then it, then it gets overcast sometimes if some high clouds come in and everything just kind of pulses back down again. And so it's, uh, you know, there's each place has its, um, you know, some places with those kind of clouds, you'd be like, Oh, I got to get on. I got to be on the ground immediately. Whereas, yeah. um, I think the biggest, biggest one there with the tandem is you don't want to be flying a really windy day. You just, you, if it's a windy day, just, just don't fly. If, if it's, if it's light wind, uh, that, you know, then, uh, then you can, you then you got your escape path. But if you're, if you're on a light loaded tandem, and it gets windy, your, your, yeah. your escape routes are going to shut down really quick. So sure. that's, that's, I think that's the one thing I would, if, if anybody like gets inspired by this and wants to do this with their kid, first of all, be very honest with your, um, flying skills, uh, you know, make sure that you feel very comfortable with your flying. And then of course that, you know, mom is, uh, or dad is cool with, uh, <laughs> is cool with it. And, uh, uh, then just, you know, treat it like any other tandem, but it's, you know, it's a light, lightly loaded tandem and it's your kid. So yeah. Yeah. That, all, that, all that changes the dynamic quite a bit. Yeah. And what's going to happen when, uh, Tomas gets old enough to start doing this. You're gonna have to do two. I think he's, uh, yeah, he's already been flying with me. He had his first flight when he was 11 months. Uh, at that time, he was more interested in the cows in the landing area than uh, <laughs> of the flight itself. But now he's, he's already talking about birds and thermals and cumulus clouds. Yes. Yeah. Uh, he, he, he mentions it. I mean, when we're, when we're flying, he says, you know, like yesterday, oh, yesterday we had a little flight and uh, uh, just a sledder, but he's like, dad, are we, where, where are we going to land? Where's the landing area? Where's the landing area? Wait, I don't want to land in the water. <laughs> <laughs> so he's, he's three, he just turned three a few weeks ago. And, uh, but yeah, I'd say that he's probably going to get a chance to do this because I'm going to be 16 when he's going to be eight. Oh, yeah. so. oh, he's eight years younger. Yeah. yeah that's oh, a big okay. difference. So we'll get to do this with Martin oh, for a while. Be, and then, that'll be pretty good. Yeah. So it's a nice smooth transition. Yeah. And, and Hansa, that'll keep you fit, man. You're going to be doing this in your fifties. Yeah. <laughs> maybe, maybe by then I'll invest in a lighter weight tandem. Maybe, you know. <laughs> I don't know, man. You use gear a long time. <laughs> yeah, that's true. <laughs> <laughs> you probably still got that harness that gave you a bunch of years ago. Yeah, um, yeah. So in the future, you know, this one's kind of up in the air, but do you guys see yourself doing this for the foreseeable future? Yeah, I'd, I'd like to. Um, we're kind of starting to make a contingency plan because it looks like COVID-19 uh, might be a while. I mean, I think they're, they don't want to scare us too much and say it's a few months, but it's uh, I could see, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm starting to doubt June, June travel is going to happen or even, well, I'm hoping maybe we could push it towards the end of the summer. But uh, what were we talking about doing uh, maybe a few days uh in the, the Sierra. Sierras, in yeah, the Sierras with cross country skis. Yeah, bring uh-huh. some cross country skis and f- try to fly with those because those are pretty light. Yeah, and we could probably use, uh, you know, and try to like get a ground on those and sit up foot. <laughs> yeah, like fun. land up somewhere, maybe do it. Uh, maybe maybe go McGee's south or get onto maybe something in the Owens, but before it gets too strong, maybe you know, like late April, early May, mm. uh, and. And if there's still enough snow up there, land in some of those box canyons and kind of ski around for a little bit, set up camp, ski around, and then go, get up to a higher ridge. And but it just the Sierras are tough because you have to have several days. Ideally, you want a period of it's either calm winds or light easterlies. Ideally, so you're not in the lee. Gosh, so. maybe I mean it's a little bit farther, but maybe the Rubies would be a good place for a mission like that. There's not. I was. I just I drove across that Nevada. There's not a lot of snow. I, I drove up through. I drove down through. You know where you and I were a couple of years ago. I threw, drove down the Rubies on the eastern side, down to through Vegas to go out to California, and then I came back up the Sierras just so I could look at them. There's not much snow. Yeah. So, so that might be the way to go early rather than late. Cause you know, being Nevada, it can get pretty cranking, but I think, uh, 
we were there in May. So I think if, if it wasn't too much snow in April, that might, that might be something to do, even if it was shorter, even if it was maybe, you know, three or four days. And, but we, in that sense, we'd have to probably arrange some kind of a retrieve, especially now that you can't really, there's no probably public transport is shutting down pretty quick too. <laughs> right. Yeah, right. Yeah. Yeah. And hitchhiking is probably not all that reliable either. Well, it never is in Nevada. There's nobody out there, but, um, Martin, will you, in a few years, will you, are you excited to get into flying? Or do you see yourself being a pilot like that? I'd like to try it. Definitely. Um, I do a lot of rock climbing nowadays, but I definitely like to try paragliding. Hmm. Is climbing kind of your, what's your main kind of outdoor thing that you like to do? Um, outdoors, I don't get to climb outdoors that much because, well, um, I don't have the gear yet. I usually vent it. Mm-hmm. Um, but outdoors thing that I like to do, I like to rollerblade a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, but other than that, I'd say the climbing is like my main sport. It does, it was a, we have a climbing gym called the Rocknasium, so that, so he's been climbing there at a little – is it a club? Or? It's a class. It's a class, yeah. yeah. Are you guys flying together down in Chile too? A little bit, yeah. Yeah, we – oh, we had a – Try to. Oh, yeah, we hiked up the Arica. We snuck up there for like five rules and flew down. <laughs> <laughs> this is a worldwide podcast. <laughs> it's all right. We, we're, we're pilots. That's all right. We That's rules. all right. Pilots understand. Pilots understand. Yeah, so, so one of the fun rules, though, if we're at it, is we got to fly down uh, with my mom. Oh, uh, cool. Yeah, yeah. We, we were up there. So my mom's been up uh, via Rica Volcano, but um, it was the first time for Martin to go up yeah. the volcano. And we just went up at night with crampons, and the uh, wind was perfect for – flying a tandem off so we got to fly down with martin and my mom all off the volcano oh that's very cool i one of the most special flights i've ever had in my life was we were sailing up in scotland and my mom came in for a couple weeks and you know it was the the uh, we were out in the outer hebrides which is all basically just peat moss there's no trees and uh you know, these crazy storms would come through and you're in these kind of locks with the boat. They're, you know, they're saltwater locks, but you can get really protected in these beautiful bays. And we learned very quickly that, you know, on the right kind of wind, you could fly, you know, just whatever aspect, whatever wind, whatever wind direction was blowing, you could find an aspect at work. And it was just ridge soaring. You weren't doing any cross country, but it was just terrific. And so I started taking the clients. I had a tandem on board and I started, because it wasn't really wasn't great kiting, you know, the boat thing's all about kite surfing. And so I would take the clients, you know, flying and it never gets dark. You're up there in the summer and it's, you know, it's like being in Alaska. It never gets dark up there, you know, a couple hours a night, kind of between one and three. So, you know, you'd fly in the morning and come down and have breakfast and you'd fly in the middle of the day and you'd come and have lunch and you'd fly in the evening. We were doing a lot of flying and, you know, I didn't have any on anybody on board that was a pilot, you know, it was all just tandem stuff. And, you know, each day my mom would be standing on the boat and, you know, we'd come back for lunch and she was just, you know, she'd ask and she was so curious and it just, it never really occurred to me. She, you know, she's got pretty bad knees and she was getting older. And, uh, and finally, you know, I came down one day and I was like, mom, would you like to do this? And she just clapped her hands. Oh, I thought you'd never ask. Yes. I'd love to do it. Yeah. So funny. I mean, Why did you ask me? And so I brought her up and, uh, you know, and she'd seen me fly around with these, with the clients and stuff. And I'd been keeping it really mellow, but she'd also seen me just fly. And, and so, you know, we start, we started going and we're just doing these nice gentle passes back and forth. And she kind of turned around at one point and she said, okay, Gavin, like, you know, I, I've seen you do that stuff. I want to do some of that stuff. You know, <laughs> what really mom? You, yeah. And so I started doing these little mini wing overs. She's, I come on, I've seen you do that stuff. Like I want to do some of that stuff. And, and, uh, and so, you know, after a while, I'm just wanging it around. I'm you know, practically looping with my mom and she's just hooping and hollering. And I, you know, and then I'd mellow it out because I, I was afraid she was just going to start vomiting. I, mom, are you okay? Well, stop asking me that. Of course I'm okay. Keep doing that stuff. She was just <laughs> loving it. I couldn't believe she would. And she still to this day talks about just how thrilling that was. It, uh, it was so special. I was, I, well, no wonder I got, I got this from somebody. I guess it was you. <laughs> Oh yeah, yeah. No, it's uh, you know, it, uh, definitely. I think I've got you know the X Alps genes from my parents for sure. I mean, they're still they're still hiking in their seventies, pretty hard. 
<laughs> that's that's terrific. Well, I hope you guys. I really hope that uh, this thing quiets down. I I think I'm in your camp. I think that's a bit of a reach right now. But uh, you know, there's. I think we're we're just sitting at the precipice. It's going to get worse before it gets better. But I hope it works out for you. And uh, and if it doesn't in June, I hope something works out for you in the Sierras or something. But Thanks for sharing your story, and I'll be tracking you guys uh, in the future. And I, I have no idea if I'll do another X Alps at this point, but you always seem to be over about the same time. So hopefully, our paths will cross on one of those. Yeah. Sounds good, Gavin. Thanks for thanks for giving us a chance to to tell our story. Yeah. Yeah. Thank awesome. You. Thanks, Martin. Thanks, Hans. I appreciate it. If you find the cloud-based mayhem valuable, you can support it in a lot of different ways. You can give us a rating on iTunes or Stitcher or however you get your podcast. That goes a long ways and helps spread the word. You can blog about it on your own website or share it on social media. You can talk about it on the way up to launch with your pilot friends. I know a lot of interesting conversations have happened that way. And of course, you can support us financially. This show does take a lot of time, a lot of editing, a lot of storage and music and all kinds of behind the scenes cost. So if you can support us financially, all we've ever asked for is a buck a show. And you can do that through a one-time donation through PayPal, or you can set up a subscription service that charges you for each show that comes out. We put a new show out every two weeks. So, for example, if you did a buck a show and every two weeks, it'd be about $25 a year. So way cheaper than a magazine subscription, and it makes all of this possible. I do not want to fund this show with advertising or sponsors. We get asked about that uh, pretty frequently, but I... For a whole bunch of different reasons, which I've said many times on the show, I don't want to do that. I don't like having that stuff at the front of the show. And I also want you to know that these are authentic conversations with real people. And these are just our opinions, but our opinions are not being skewed by sponsors or advertising dollars. I think that's a pretty toxic business model. So I hope you dig that. Um, you can support us. If you go to cloudbasedmayhem.com, you can find the places to support. You can do it through patreon.com forward slash cloudbasedmayhem. If you want a recurring subscription, you can also do that directly through the website. Uh, we've tried to make it really easy, and that will give you access to all the bonus material, little video casts that we do and extra little uh, nuggets that we find in conversations that don't make it into the main show, but we feel like you should hear. We don't put any of that behind a paywall. If you can't afford to support us, then just let me know and I'll set you up with an account, of course, that'll be lifetime. And hopefully in a, you're being in a position someday to be able to support us. But you'll find all that on the website. Uh, all of you who have supported us or even joined our newsletter or bought Cloud-Based Mayhem merchandise, t-shirts or hats or anything, you should be all set up. You should have an account and you should be able to access all that bonus material now. Thank you so much for listening. I really appreciate your support and we'll see you on the next show. Thank you.